you want to turn with me and read the scripture from Matthew chapter 6 today. Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 18. It says, Beware of doing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. Therefore, when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be glorified by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving will be in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive others their, for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Now, whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. May the Lord bless the reading of his word here today. Beware, says our king, Beware of doing religious stuff just for the sake of being seen by others. Instead, direct your heart to the Father who sees in the secret place, who sees within your own heart and rewards accordingly. These last um, few days of winter every year, Aren't we praying these are the last few days of winter? That's a hopeful statement, isn't it? Um, I start thinking about summer, 
And I, and I was thinking the other day about summer times with my best friend, my best friend when I was a little boy, Fritz Winnegar. Um, Fritz Winnegar. Sounds like a made-up name, but it's not. That was his name. And um, Fritz and I had, had figured out a really easy way to get candy. Um, I, on a spring or a summer day, um, we would pick flowers from around the neighborhood, sometimes from other people's yards. And um, we, we were little boys. And um, we'd arrange those flowers into a bouquet. And then we would um, place them on one of our front porches. We were next door neighbors. And then we'd ring the doorbell three times and, and run and hide around the corner of, you know, whichever house it was. And um, after a few minutes, one of our moms would come and open the door and feign surprise. Oh, how nice, you know, a, a little pile of dandelions or something. <laughs> and... Um, and then the door would close, and then, and then if you wait, just like wait for it, a few minutes later, out comes a candy bar or, or some special treat for whoever left the beautiful flowers, you know, that sort of thing. And the thing of it is that that, that was a pretty good racket until, um, until our moms got tired of it. And um, as you might imagine, it didn't take terribly long for them to get tired of it. Um, for us big kids, for God's kids, how many of you know how tiresome it is to our Heavenly Father when his children do good things simply to be seen by other people? When his children do outwardly right things, commendable things, simply hoping to get some specific thing in return from God. What kind of person does that? Well, Jesus calls such a person a hypocrite. And here in Matthew 6, King Jesus is saying to his kingdom people, his disciples, hey, don't, don't be like the hypocrites. Yes, Christians do Many good things that reflect their devotion to the Lord. Outward things that, that can be seen by others. That's, that's how, how it should be. We, we, we give and, and we pray and, and we go to church and we see each other at church. We, we serve and we're, we're seen by others serving. But, but to do religious things, simply to get seen and admired by others is an offense to God. To, to do religious things simply to get something we selfishly want from God is an offense to him. How many of you know hypocrisy is the antithesis of real Christianity? So Jesus has been saying in the Sermon on the Mount uh, to his followers, don't be like the hypocrites. That's... Matthew 6, 1 through 18, in a nutshell, isn't it? God is not honored or impressed by good things done for selfish reasons. Now, we could just stop there, and that would be the whole sermon, and um, that would kind of get us through verses 1 through 18 of Matthew 6, uh, but we're not going to do that for two reasons. One, um, I'm going to take my allotted time, but two... Um, surely some of you would say, hey, pastor, you skipped the stuff on fasting. 
What'd you do that for? How many of you know when we go through the Bible together as we do on these Sunday mornings, we don't skip stuff? We don't skip stuff. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is now speaking to his followers, and he's already told them something absolutely shocking. He says in in Matthew 5.20, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow. How can your righteousness possibly be greater than that of professional religious people? How is that even possible? Well, remember the professional church people in Jesus' day, the scribes and Pharisees of ancient Israel, so often were those who wanted to look devoted to God. They they wanted to feel within themselves devoted to God without actually being devoted to God. Can, Can you imagine such a person today? Of course, Every man-made religion is this way at its core. And so Jesus relentlessly confronts the hypocrisy of the scribes and the Pharisees in Matthew's gospel. The kingdom of heaven is not populated by posers. The kingdom of heaven is not populated by people who are just going through the motions of insincere religious practices. No, a Christian is someone who knows he is sinful. But by nature, he knows that he is separated from God who is holy. And he hungers for a righteousness that he does not have, a righteousness from outside of himself. And he finds that righteousness in Christ alone through repentance and faith in Jesus, his sins are forgiven. And Christ's own righteousness is credited to this repentant sinner. Has that happened to you? Are you a Christian? Are you a poser? Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Are you satisfied in Christ? The the, the quest to be right with God has ended because you know Jesus. This is the new birth. This is what it means to be one of the king's blessed people. You remember that from the Beatitudes? Please tell me you remember that. It wasn't that long ago. Entrance into the kingdom of heaven is not found by doing religious stuff. Scoring points with God. Looking religious to other people. Ringing God's doorbell with our man-made religion. All pretty on the outside but self-worshipping within. No, we enter the kingdom through repentance and faith in what Christ has done for us, amen? His perfect life, his sin-atoning death, his resurrection that justifies his people before God. So we want to be clear on that. But remember why we're calling this part of our study 
of the Sermon on the Mount, life in the kingdom. It's because King Jesus is now describing how those who belong to the kingdom of heaven are to live. Are you still listening? The sinner saved by grace through faith in Christ, satisfied in Christ as Savior and King, the true believer now hungers for God the rest of his life. She's been born again to a, to a real appetite for God. J- just like a newborn baby is born with a, with a natural appetite for food. It's a basic sign of spiritual life. Are you hungry for God? Has, has that work of grace happened in you? Well, if you're a Christian... You are hungry for God. In fact, please know this. The Bible knows nothing of a believer who has no appetite for God. And there are times when a Christian's hunger for God displaces hunger for lesser things. Well, now we're getting to the point, aren't we? There are times when a Christian's hunger for God displaces hunger for lesser things. As a believer you know this higher hunger in times of great need, in times of great distress, times of repentance. You crave God, don't you? And at times you crave God so much so that food is set aside for a while. And in the Bible, that's referred to fasting, Fasting. What, what's fasting? Well, it's abstaining from food, or as we'll see, some other good thing, but for the sake of seeking God. Don't miss that last part. For the sake of seeking God. And fasting is the last of the three examples Jesus gives here in Matthew 6 about religious activities that can be done for right or wrong motives. That's, that's known in the heart of the person doing it, and it's known to God. L- look at verse 16 of Matthew 6. Jesus says, Now whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. They, they wanted to be noticed, they got noticed. But you... When you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Jesus is just giving examples of any kind of religious activity that can be done with a wrong motive. For the wrong reason. In verses 1 through 4 of chapter 6, it was giving, right? Don't don't give financially just to be seen by others. Just because you get your name on the brick or the pew or the the room or whatever. In verses 5 through 8, the example was praying. Don't don't pray simply to be heard by others. that, That you might impress others. 
Don't use the, the vain repetitions, the monotonous incantations of the pagans. Both that kind of superstition and that kind of showmanship are an offense to God. Who, who looks at what? The heart. He hears the heart. And then Jesus gave us a detailed example of how to pray in verses 9 through 15. We call that the Lord's Prayer. And how ironic is it that even the Lord's Prayer can be turned by sinful man into an incantation that means nothing from the heart. And now in verses 16 through 18, Jesus gives the example of fasting. And I want you to notice with me, first of all, this is um, not super complicated. Jesus assumes his kingdom people fast. Just as with giving and praying, when you give, when you pray, not if, when you fast. So is fasting still a thing? Yes. We saw in Matthew's gospel already, Jesus fasted when he was tempted in the wilderness, did he not? We, we saw last week in, in John's gospel, um, the example of Jesus sending his disciples off to get food while he ministered to the woman at the well. Remember that? And later on in that very chapter of John's gospel, John 4, the disciples come up to Jesus and they say, man, you, you better get something to eat. And he says what? He says, my, my food is to do the will of the Father. Jesus assumes his kingdom people fast. And he tells them how not to do it. And he tells them a little bit of, of how to do it and what results from it. And there's a bit of a mystery to this, isn't there? This is not something we discuss a lot. Aren't you glad we just work through the Bible verse by verse? You and I would not choose this topic. Some of you didn't know this was the topic before you showed up today. So let's just put ourselves in the sandals of Jesus' first listeners. See if we can't take some of the mystery out of this. When Jesus' disciples thought of fasting, uh, first and foremost, they would have thought of the Day of Atonement. Uh, they, 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 the, the Day of Atonement was actually the only prescribed fast in the Old Covenant, under the Old Covenant, Yom Kippur. You heard of that? Okay, Yom Kippur or Yom Kippurim was a day in which all of Israel fasted. Um, the, the, the temple sanctuary was, was cleansed of any impurities, and, and the people uh, acknowledged their sin in what way? Through offering sacrifices, and, and then a goat was sent out into the wilderness as if it had escaped, the scapegoat. How interesting. Le Leviticus 23 27, God, God said through Moses, on exactly the 10th day of this seventh month is the day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation for you and you shall humble your souls and bring an offering by fire near to Yahweh. That phrase, humble your souls, or some of your Bibles say, afflict your soul. Um, in the Old Testament, that refers to fasting. Fasting is to go without food, 
on purpose, not by accident, on purpose for the purpose of focus on the Lord. And it was associated with with repentance. It It was associated with contrition, humility before God. The, the, the blood sacrifices symbolically atoned for the sins of God's people. The, the, the scapegoat symbolically um, um, illustrated the, the, the sending away, the casting off of the sins of God's people. Now, those symbols are fulfilled in Christ, amen? All of those Um, symbols and and types and illustrations, all of that blood for all of those millennia simply pointing to the work of the Messiah, that the servant who would suffer for the sins of God's people. Later in Matthew's gospel, we'll read that the um, disciples of John the Baptist were ticked off that they didn't see Jesus' disciples fasting in that Old Testament sense. And Jesus said to them what? He said, can the attendants of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. Jesus, the fulfillment of all of that stuff that was going on on the Day of Atonement, was physically with his people on earth. How many of you know when our Lord returns and is physically with his people on earth again, that'll be a time for feasting, not fasting. You read of the wedding supper of the Lamb, it doesn't say nobody's eaten. No, this is it's a joyful time. But after our Lord's death at Calvary for the sins of his people, after his resurrection and ascension to heaven, when he was no longer with his people physically, the early church fasted in their seasons of intense focus on the Lord. Now, you're still listening. There were other fasts occasions in ancient Israel when there were national emergencies uh, when, when, when God's people needed wisdom from the Lord, when the king needed wisdom from the Lord, in their despair, God's people would fast. A quick example from Psalm 35, David is crying out to God for deliverance from his enemies. And get this, David's enemies used to be his close friends. And he's remembering how he, how he prayed for his close friends. He says, Lord, I humbled my soul with fasting and my prayer kept returning to my bosom. That, that was my heart for the people now stabbing me in the back. In the book of Esther, as you might recall, Esther called her people to a time of fasting before she went in to talk to that pagan king to beg for the nation's very survival. Over and over again in the Old Testament scripture, we see that fasting is a response to intense neediness. It's always something that goes along with sorrow over sin or a need for God's help or a hunger for the Lord's direction. 
and it's always associated with prayer. Fasting and prayer travel together. So fasting is never seen in Scripture just by itself as a spiritual discipline. And so fasting, just for the point of fasting, is not biblical. It may be something else, you know, a diet or something, but it's not biblical fasting. And if, we, and if we fast forward to the time of the Sermon on the Mount, fasting had become a major part of Jewish religious experience. Everybody knew all about fasting. What, what had started as a sign of genuine contrition and, and, and dependence upon God had turned into quite a show. Like what? Well, like the Pharisees did their giving. Like the scribes and Pharisees did their praying. Remember the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Remember that one? The Pharisees stood and was praying, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. Boy, how not to start a prayer, right? (laughs) I mean, that's just... God, I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. Boy, what a rock star, right? No. Now, why twice a week? I mean, why fast on Mondays and Thursdays like the Pharisees so often did? Well, those just happened to be market days in Jerusalem. And what better place than a busy, crowded market than to be heard praying or or, or to be seen really gloomy and and just sort of hangry all the time, right? And um, sometimes even putting ash on their face. What, What does that remind you of, I wonder? Anyway, the, the, the Pharisees loved to wade out into a mass of people looking all distraught, looking all disheveled, so people would be fooled into thinking that they were just so devoted to God they couldn't even muster the strength to wash their face. And God says, you know what? That kind of posing makes me sick. Verse 16, whenever you fast, don't put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they're fasting. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. They, they want to be seen. That's, that's the reward they get. They get seen. And Jesus says, there still is a place for fasting among his followers, to, to belong to the kingdom of heaven, to be a Christian is, is to be someone who probably fasts at times, but, but not to impress other people, n- not to manipulate God, sticking a coin in the vending machine, that sort of thing. And even today though, don't, doesn't it seem to you there are some pretty weird beliefs about fasting. Even among professing Christians today, some people seem to think that it's, it's, it's the key to really unlocking God's blessing. 
If I pray and fast long enough, then somehow that like supercharges my prayers. It's kind of like the turbocharge for a request that's made to God. Um, it's kind of like getting candy from your mom with your friend Fritz, right? How many of you know God cannot be manipulated into doing our bidding? We're the servants. He's the king. Other people think fasting is really God's way of looking out for our health. You can find all kinds of books about this. It's like a religious diet plan. Biblical fasting is, is not to do with health. Well, there, there, there may well be health benefits, but that's not the point. Fasting is not dieting. Like prayer, like giving, fasting is not to involve that kind of showmanship or that kind of superstition about getting God to somehow serve us. And all throughout the history of God's people, there were misunderstandings about this, just as there are misunderstandings about it today. In Isaiah 58, for example, did anybody read that? I think it was suggested. A couple of you did. Daniel did in the back. Thank you, Daniel. Um, although now that you've been seen by us, there's just no credit. Yeah. <laughs> Set you up for that. Um, now listen, in, in Isaiah 58, you, you, you hear God's people complaining about his empty vending machine. Why have we fasted and you do not see? Why have we afflicted our souls and you do not know? God, we did our part. D didn't you see us skip food Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday? Now you do your stuff. That's the deal. Quid pro quo. Listen to God's answer. Is this not the fast which I choose? To loosen the bonds of wickedness? To release the bands of the yoke? To let the oppressed go free and break every yoke? Is it not to divide your bread with the hungry and bring the afflicted homeless into the house? When you see the naked, you cover him. Not to hide yourself from your own flesh. Then your light will break out like the dawn and your recovery will speedily spring forth and your righteousness will go before you. The glory of Yahweh will be your rear guard. Do you know what, what are the cliff notes there? Before you start fasting, stop sinning. Fasting is a response to something already going on in the heart. Contrition, need, Humility, a desire for that which God desires. Fasting is not a substitute for true devotion to God. Neither is giving. Neither is prayer. So Jesus says to his kingdom people, you all, unlike the, the phony Pharisees, verse 17, but you, when you fast, anoint your head. Wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who sees in secret. 
excuse me, by your father who is in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. The point is not that no one should ever know whether you're fasting or not. The point is don't fast to be noticed. Do you see the difference? You can even fast with other people. So, so long as the motive is hunger for God, not simply to be seen by others. Not, not simply to be known, oh, that's, boy, that's the church that, man, every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, they don't eat. Ooh, isn't that nice? I'm not in on that, as you know. <laughs> do you see? Do you see what a test of sincerity this is? Just like giving. Just like prayer. If God is not real to you, you will be miserable enduring something as difficult as not eating for a season or going, out, going without something else for a season. With God as the only one who knows. That's Jesus' point. Father who sees in secret, what, what does he see? when it no longer matters whether anybody else sees it. Now, I mentioned earlier, you still with me? I mentioned earlier that the early church fasted in their seasons of intensely seeking God. And, and, and I want to just give you a couple quick examples of that. I don't want you to take my word for it. Um, they wanted to see God's kingdom come to their part of the world, uh, they, they labored at the Great Commission, and their petitions to God at times involved fasting. In Acts 13, for example, it says, When the believers in Antioch were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Then when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So the sending of missionaries from Antioch was accompanied by fasting and prayer. Reflecting what? The heart of God's people desperately wanting to see the gospel spread in God's world. It was a response to something already happening in their hearts. As the church sought God's wisdom and directions, their, their, their prayers at times were, were accompanied by fasting. Acts 14, when they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. I don't mean to belabor the point. I simply want us to understand that fasting is... Um, not only allowed in Scripture still today, but commended in Scripture still today, but it is not commanded in Scripture today. Does that make sense? And it begs the question, does it not? If it's commended, then when should we do it? So get ready to write this stuff down. When should I fast? You ready? That's between you and God. Although, isn't it interesting that when you and I are distraught, when we're in distress, 
when we're really afraid, when we're in desperate need, when you cannot possibly find your way through a serious problem, you don't feel like eating anyway, do you? You see how your soul and your body are are interrelated in that sense? How frequently should you fast? And for how long? Ready to write this one down? That's between you and God. What kind of fast exactly? Because I seem to remember back in the day you could go to the store and you could get a book about the Daniel fast. Remember that one? I'm, I'm not making fun of it. It's just that it, I mean, it, it comes from Scripture, uh, but what is being peddled as a sort of churchy diet plan um, is a misunderstanding of what you're reading in the book of Daniel. Daniel fasted not by avoiding all food. He just didn't eat fancy food, as the scripture says. He just ate vegetables and drank water for a season. That's fasting, okay? But it wasn't his diet plan per se. There were benefits to that, as you know. But it was a reflection of his trust in God, his commitment to God. So fasting is a personal discipline between you and God. Nobody else. In in, in fact, Paul says to um, the Colossians, he he says, let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement. So so there's there's no cause for any of God's people to come up to any other of God's people and say, well, you know, you you should be doing what I'm doing in that regard. It's between you and God. The, The principle of fasting is at work when we set aside things other than food. Let me just give you some examples. Some, some people choose to set, a t- set aside entertainment for a season. Why? For the purpose of seeking God. Some people choose to set aside social media for a season. I, th- I can think of a few reasons why you might do that. But, but, but do you see how a good thing can become something that's turned into a not very good thing when it's misused. We set aside those things at times as God directs us so that we might not be so distracted, so that we might not be so self-focused, so that we might have a singular focus on our king. Paul actually says to married couples, he says in 1 Corinthians 7, stop depriving one another except by agreement for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer and come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. What, what, what is fasting? It's, it's spirit-led self-control, isn't it? An exercise strictly for the purpose of seeking God. Let me, let me just um, wrap up with this. James Montgomery Boyce says this in his commentary on the Sermon on the Mount. He says, whatever your daily routine or habits, there, un- there are undoubtedly some things you may want to lay aside temporarily to spend time with God. Probably you will not tell people about it. I like that last part. 
Probably you won't say anything about it. This, this is between you and God. What's the reward? Now, notice in verse 4 of Matthew 6, Jesus spoke of reward. When you give, give so that your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. In verse 6, when you pray, pray so that your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And now verse 18, when you fast, Fast so your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Reward you with what? Himself. You seek the Lord. You find him. He's not hiding from you. But how easily we are distracted from our pursuit of him, right? We can put a finer point on that, though Jesus has already told us, as his disciples, in what we called the Lord's Prayer, where he would have our heart's affections really be. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A Christian might fast and pray because she desperately wants God's name to be known and honored in her family. A Christian might fast and pray because he strongly desires that the kingdom of heaven would grow in him. He's tired of being that guy. He wants to be the guy who's more like Jesus. And Christians might fast and pray when they they strongly desire that God's will would be done in our own lives and in the lives of his image bearers in this community. But that's between us and God, isn't it? Let me just end with um, a quote from a work called Understanding the Discipline of Fasting. I commend it to you. It's by a fellow named Paul Washer. Um, He says, we do not fast because the kingdom has not come. We fast because it has come and because we long for its extension into every corner of our lives and every corner of our lives of the earth. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this instruction from your word. Thank you so much for poking our hearts in the best way about our priorities, about our motives, about the things we desire most, And Lord, I know I'm not the only sinner saved by grace in this room who asks you now to do that work in my heart, Lord. Lord, change us so that our priorities are ever more in line with yours. Lord, we want your name to be honored. Lord, we we want your kingdom to come. We want your will to be done. And Lord, we pray that as you see what is in the secret place, what is in our own hearts, Lord, that we would meet you there as we truly are, not not as we represent ourselves to be outwardly, but as we truly are, Lord. And may you find us genuine. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen.